everyone. This is Andre Wah, former Ottawa Senators, also Stanley Cup champ with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I just want to say congratulations to the boys in the booth on your 200th episode. Hello, boys in the booth. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Uh, hopefully you get 200 listeners for one of these episodes. Doubt it. You're all ugly. Uh, I love you very much. Thank you very much for having me on. And uh, let's do it again sometime. From, uh, from Hammy. Hey guys, Gavin White here. I uh, just wanted to wish you guys congratulations on 200 episodes. It's a huge goal. Uh, I love listening to the pod, try and keep up with as much as possible. Uh, best of luck in the future. Take care. Hey, it's Rebecca Sharp, the coach of the Ottawa Sledgehawks, and congratulations on your 200th episode. Hey, congrats on uh, 200 episodes, boys. Uh, Case, Harps, Melbs. Uh, you guys are truly incredible at what you guys do. It's really fun and exciting listening to you guys, and uh, it was really humbling to be a part of your uh, first 200 episodes. It was uh, it was cool, entertaining, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, listening to 200 more. Congrats, boys. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 200 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne with you for this one. Fellas, uh, that's a nice number, 200. Uh, Those were some great and hilarious messages uh, that we got from some of our uh, our good friends of the podcast. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your support. 200 episodes, boys. Here we are. Another nice little milestone for us. How are we doing? Well, I think there's enough recordings of us on the internet now that they can probably recreate our personalities and put them into an AI system and make sure that our loved ones feel good when we're gone. Um, let's hope that doesn't happen, but... <laughs> Feeling good. Feeling a little tired after a long weekend because there's a couple nights in a row of just late NHL play from the boys. And uh, that kept me from getting real sleep on a long weekend. Yeah, no real sleep on that weekend, but it was a good one for sure. And uh, I got to recover on Monday on family day. Paige and I went to the spa. So that was good. A few ice baths, a few saunas (laughs) in and out, relaxing, chilling. So that was great. Um case it's funny you mentioned the ai thing i've always thought about that like since this this new ai uh you know video has become a thing and like there have been major improvements within the last year i think about that all the time like someone just you know having an ai scrub our our site or or scrub our youtube channel and just you know like be able to recreate our likenesses so easily. I think it's terrifying, but it's also pretty cool at the same time. Um, And I used to think about that before we did video and now we do video. So it's even crazier. But another thing I was thinking about too, Harp is you always start by saying good evening. And I've always wondered like Corey, for example, I know listens every Wednesday morning in the work truck. I wonder what he feels like when you're saying good evening. I wonder if maybe we should mix in a good morning, a good afternoon. You know, maybe one of those just to make sure that everybody is engaged. But just a couple thoughts right right off the top. Yeah, um, that's that's a great point. Never even thought of that or just welcome. <laughs> that's how we need to start them, too. Well, yeah. I just, you know, not that I'm giving notes or anything. I just thought that was interesting. Crossed my mind. A couple thoughts <laughs> to start the pod. And a third one is, man, 200 episodes. Good for us. Like, who would have thought? 
you know, sitting here five years after we started that we would consistently be doing this on a weekly basis. So uh, wouldn't want to be doing it with anyone else, guys, and excited to get into this one. Yeah, well said, man. Couldn't agree more. Uh, it's been a ride so far and uh, looking forward to the next uh, 100 episodes that uh, that we do here. So uh, yeah, good on us, boys. 200 episodes um, and uh, and here we are. And uh, I just want to say too, like uh, what a great weekend of hockey it was. Not only in Brockville, we had the Winter Classic, of course, with uh, members of the Ottawa Senators alumni. And uh, you heard from one of them uh, at the top of the uh, of the show, uh, Andre Waugh, who was a great interview a couple of weeks back. And if you haven't listened to that one, definitely go and listen to that. Uh, great weekend here. But also in the NHL, you had Yermer Yager and his return to Pittsburgh and being honored and the warm-up and just the speech and the guys wearing the mullets and everything. <laughs> nice moment with Chris Letang uh, and him. The list goes on. You had all kinds of uh, debuts in the NHL as well. Uh, Mason Morelli, 28-year-old undrafted guy making his debut with Vegas, and the list goes on there. And then uh, also the outdoor games and a nice win for your Devils, their case. And uh, it was just a great weekend of hockey all in all. And uh, it's the game that we love, and we get to cover it with this show and in other ways as well. And it's just great. So, yeah, it was a great weekend all in all and starting off the week on a on a nice note. Hart, before we get into the episode, I wanted to ask you, do you have any like memorable moments from the weekend at the Brockville Winter Classic. I know there were some good names there, Terry Ryan being one of them. And I, I had to ask because like, I, I didn't know he played for the Ottawa Senators. Why exactly was he there? And and what was your, like your favorite part of the weekend? Was there a good story you heard? I want to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, the the whole weekend was great. Um, it it always is, and uh, and Terry Ryan was just there as uh, as a, a throw in special guest. And so when it came to the alumni game on the Sunday, he uh, played on the Tim Hortons All Stars uh, team uh, that plays against whatever you know alumni team it is that year, whether it's the Leafs, the Blackhawks, in this case, the Senators this year. And uh, and I was there calling the game, of course. So that's why he was there. Todd Gill was there once again. Al Iafrady was uh, was, I was back. Say, I, don't, as, I don't think Al Iafrady <laughs> is on every team that's been there, but he's there every yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the, I, I'm convinced the guy lives in, in Brockville now. It's it's pretty funny. But yeah, those guys were just kind of there to, to be a part of it, even though they're not Sens alumni. And then in terms of the, you know, uh, favorite moments and stuff for me, I think it was uh, reconnecting with uh, with a guy like Rob Murphy, who still works in hockey. I believe he's a, a scout currently with the Ottawa Senators and, uh, of course, is a, uh, is a Sens alumni. He was drafted in the second round by the Vancouver Canucks in 1987. He grew up in Quebec, and uh, I totally forgot about this. But um, it that when my uncle James was working for the Senators in uh, in corporate sales years ago, and when he was living in Stittsville, 
Rob Murphy and his family uh, were next door neighbors to my uncle James and his family in Stittsville. So it was just really cool to reconnect with him again and, you know, kind of talk about James and reminisce a little bit, talk about the old days. And uh, yeah, it was great. And actually, I played on a team in that outdoor tournament at Rory Park on Saturday. Uh, I played on the same team as Rob Murphy and Brian McGratton, which was really cool. And so uh, being with a guy like that, who is absolutely massive uh, to sit with in a uh, in a trailer, by the way, and, and you know, to, to sit beside him on the bench. It's crazy how big that dude is and uh, play with with some other great guys as well. So, yeah, just uh, those things in particular, but great weekend all in all. And yeah, just uh, just an awesome weekend for uh, for hockey. Rob Murphy is how I got that devil's jersey, by the way, from the, oh, no the team's um, inventory, basically. is Yeah. He was friends with a scout in um, in Jersey, and he picked up the jersey, got it to Rob, and then Rob got it to me. So that's, that's a there you go. little connection as well. He's yeah. <clears throat> related to Rebecca. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, no way. <laughs> And uh, talking to Luke Vanderbeer, and he said that he uh, he's got a, a new, you know, I, I guess accolade that he can take away from that weekend as he has, he got a bloody lip from Chris Neal. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. 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 It, uh, the, I, I tell you, like, you know, that that outdoor tournament is, uh, you know, it's obviously just for fun at the end of the day, but, uh, certainly got intense at times. And I will tell you that we played two games. The first game that we played was really ugly. We lost 11, nothing. And on the other side, it was all (laughs) Jesse Winchester and Alexander Dagg as a combo, just throwing it around together. And, uh, they carved it up. Luke said Alex Dagg was like, so easy to play with because he's just like always open and like really intelligent (laughs) on the ice. And, he said he'd just throw the puck near him and he'd pick it up somehow and make a big play. And he said when he had a chance to score, it was a hundred mile an hour shot. Like he's not <laughs> letting up at all. Yeah. I, so I saw <laughs> that that Dag was there and I clearly just forgot for a sec because when you said that name, I was like, oh my God, I haven't <laughs> heard that name in ages. Yeah. Like what the heck? Yeah. That's crazy though that he was there. Oh, I know. Obviously, maybe some would consider him the majority of the hockey world maybe considers him the biggest bust of all time first overall but man i'm sure he was an incredible player to play with that's such a cool experience that you got to do that sounds like a great weekend oh for sure it was awesome and again like you know uh andre Waugh was great like i mean you should have heard that just him going on about some of the stories and him like basically faking uh like slipping on the ice, like falling down while fighting Derek Bugard just because like he was scared of getting absolutely knocked out cold by him. Uh, so the, it just, the, you know, that and, and so many other great stories. Terry Ryan was awesome, obviously. And uh, yeah, it was, it was such a great weekend. Sounds like it. Yeah, for sure. All right, boys. Well, uh, let's get rolling here. Episode 200, of course. And uh, listen, next year, it's uh, it's going to be different. But uh, all in all, glad to have best on best hockey 
on the horizon once again. It's been a long time, and uh, we're finally going to get to see, you know, Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby playing together, uh, wearing Canada jerseys. We're going to talk about Canada and Finland next week, but uh, but this week we're going to talk about the other two teams in the Four Nations Face-Off, they're calling it, in 2025. We're going to start with uh, the U.S. and Sweden and kind of just, you know, Give our rosters that we've either looked at through doing some uh, some online digging, ones that uh, we've made ourselves, maybe taking a variety of different mock rosters that we've seen online, and just kind of have an, an open discussion about them. So we'll start with the U.S. Uh, of course, our uh, our neighbors, um, and uh, and yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the U.S. Case. Okay, so why don't we start with you, man? Just kind of ripping through uh, the projected roster that uh, the you've got in front of you for the americans yeah and i actually put them into lines and pairings as well i don't know if you guys did that i did um first off i'll start with the goalies this was the easiest part of this whole process is there's three absolute no-brainers on this team and that's connor hellebuck thatcher demko and jake ottinger because those are the three best goalies coming out of america (laughs) simple as that america Uh, on defense i have I have Quinn Hughes playing with McAvoy. I think that'd be a great matchup to put that put out together. Kind of that, you know, Quinn Hughes gung ho offense taking three hundred shots at this point this year, and McAvoy who's just so steady back there and and a two way guy. And then I have Slavin and Fox playing together. Kind of a similar matchup there. Uh, and Wierenski and Brock Faber on the bottom pair. Uh, my extras are Luke Hughes and Truba for defense. Forwards, I had Connor, Matthews, and JT Miller as the top line. Um, Brady Kachuk, Jack Hughes, and Matthew Kachuk as a second line. They train together and, and all summer long, so I'm sure that they've got some sort of chemistry going there and put two big goons out with maybe your smallest forward. Um, Robertson, Larkin, and Debrinkat forming a third line. And Jake Gensel, Jack Eichel, and Matthew Boldy on the fourth line as a, a bit of a um, kind of a, a two-way line, if you will. And my extras are Keller and Besser. Very interesting. So you mentioned two extras at both position, and this tournament is only going to allow a 23-man roster, and that includes three goalies. So you're only going to have one at each position. So I'm going to need you to narrow it down. Well, I'm cutting Truba. Gone. <laughs> See ya. my last pick. And I'll cut... <clears throat> Brock Besser. Fair. It gets so difficult with this team, man. Yeah. And that's kind of what I wanted to preface before I read my team as well. Like with this USA team, I feel like there are maybe 18 to 20 forwards who could potentially make this team and be in the top 12, just depending on, you know, how you want the lines constructed and, you know, whether you, you, you want to lean defense in the bottom six, or you want an additional line of scoring or, or how exactly you want to do it. So, um, but I'll do it in the same way you did case. I'll go goalie D and then, uh, forward. So my goalies, I've got the same three Hellebuck, Demko and Ottinger. I did have an honorable mention for Jeremy Swayman because I think he's going to get a lot of traction when it comes to uh, being a goalie on this team. He's had a better year, I think, than Ottinger this year and has a pretty good track record, though not uh, a number one starter, I guess. He's in a tandem situation, but 
pretty damn good goalie, man. So he has to be in the conversation too. On D, uh, exact same top four, just in different pairs. I've got Hughes playing with Fox, Slavin with McAvoy. And then my bottom pair is uh, different. I have Wierenski playing with Seth Jones. So the most overpaid D pairing on the planet. But um, I think you're going to need something different on the bottom pair. And both of those guys can kind of do it all. And, you know, their contracts overshadow them, but they're still really good players. And then uh, I do have Brock Faber as the seventh there. Honorable mentions, though, like Luke Hughes is up there, Jacob Truba, uh, John Carlson, Fowler, Hannafin, Sanderson. Like all these guys are really good players, but man, U.S. might low-key be the favorite going into this. I think that the U.S., their 10th defenseman is making Team Sweden. Yeah, which is <laughs> wild. And okay, going to forwards, I have Jack Hughes playing the left with Matthews and Clayton Keller. Tried to get a connection there. Matthews and Keller trained together, similar to what you did with your lineup case. And then I've got second line, the Kachuk brothers uh, on the outside of JT Miller playing down the middle. I've got Jason Robertson, Jack Eichel, and Joe Pavelski as a third line to bring some depth scoring. And then I've got Kyle Connor. Dylan Larkin and Tage Thompson on the fourth line with Jake Gensel as an extra. Man, I had a really difficult time forming my bottom six here because there are so many good players left out. Patrick Kane, Brock Besser, Chris Kreider, Vinny Trocek. Like Kreider and Trocek are players that I considered because even though they don't bring the points, they bring a different element. So I had a really hard time, but that's what I settled on. I know I'm going to get dumped on for not mentioning Patrick Kane, but mm-hmm. this is 2025. Yes. Exactly. We got a whole nother year to go here, yeah. and mm-hmm. I just don't know what the status of Patrick Kane is going to be at that point. You know, he's had injuries this year. He is getting up there in age, so I just had to think about that. And I was also kind of thinking when I'm looking at these teams is this, tw- this is a four-tournament, four-team tournament. They're going to care and they're going to want to win, but you have mm-hmm. to expect that the organizations are thinking like next year is the Olympics. Maybe we should be getting some of the younger guys, some experience here and some play at the international level with the big team. And that's one of the reasons why I added Matthew Boldy, other than he's mm-hmm. such a great two-way player. He plays really good defense and limits the chances of the other team as well as he can score. So I thought that was a, a good reason. And then um, Faber just has a ton of upside and plays a little bit more on in the defensive end than Luke Hughes. That's why Faber got the last spot just mm-hmm. to kind of touch on some of my points before we go to heart. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and boys, like I just, I can't help but think about like this tournament, you know, um, uh, like in, in 2030, let's say, you know, just as an example, I mean, you've got guys like Lane Hudson who could enter the mix and Will Smith, Carter Gauthier. I mean, the Logan Cooley, like the list goes on. Absolutely ridiculous. Just the, the freight train of, of talent that's coming for the, uh, for the U S and, uh, and the talent that's, that's already there at the, uh, at the pro level. Um, that's just going through my mind as we're talking about this, but, uh, I've, I've got like a very similar roster to, to yours, uh, to, to the both of yours. And, but the lines shake up a little differently guys that, you know, can move over to the wing and, you know, or guys that are normally wingers, but can play center, that sort of thing. So in net, obviously 
Hellebuck, Demko, and Jake Ottinger. I mean, they're they're the three goaltenders. And on the back end, Hughes and uh, Charlie McAvoy, Slavin and Fox, and then thinking Luke Hughes and Brock Faber, Jake Sanderson would be my uh, would be my extra. There's a lot of recency bias in here for sure. I mean, you look at a guy like Ruwenski, I, I I think he's very intriguing. He's obviously got a, a large cap hit like Seth Jones, but um, you know, they just, they haven't, uh, been up to snuff exactly with, uh, with those big deals. So, um, even though they, they are playing on bad teams to be fair, but, and then looking at the four group, I went with Keller on the left side with Matthews and Jack Eichel playing on the wing, right-hand shot playing on the right side. So I've got those three together, Matthews and, and Eichel obviously know each other. And, uh, and there's that obvious connection between Keller and Matthews. They're pretty good buddies off the ice. Then the Kachuk brothers in between Jack Hughes. I mean, that is just absolutely frightening for, for the other three teams in, uh, in the four nations face off. Then I've got, uh, JT Miller playing center uh, in between Jason Robertson and Brock Besser. So a uh, little bit of a connection there. You know, you've got Miller and, and Besser who are obviously big parts of that uh, lotto line in uh, in Vancouver. Um, and uh, and they're very familiar with each other. And then Kyle Connor with Dylan Larkin in the middle and Jake Gensel, Tage Thompson obviously had to have him uh, him in here as either you know your your fourth line quote unquote fourth line uh, right winger or uh, or as your extra forward and thinking about other guys too like if there are injuries guys who you know like it can't come over for some reason I think like maybe a guy like Alex Tuck would get a look as as maybe an extra forward I mean there there are certainly guys in front of him that was my cat sorry about that uh <laughs> but uh but yeah that's uh that's the u.s roster for uh for me in a nutshell yeah and i mean when i was putting together the lines i wasn't necessarily thinking like oh this guy's better than this guy and it was more like who plays well together who makes sense together yeah. and then th- these are four first lines <laughs> yeah exactly. i'm not really worried about um Although I did, I put Miller with Matthews because I just think that Matthews needs that puck retriever, that guy that go get the puck for him and then find him when he's open. And Miller's been so good at that in the last few years. And, you know, you saw in that interview on Chicklets the other day, Brock Besser is like, the only reason I'm scoring at five on five is because of Miller. And it's because of his puck retrieval and his, his ability to find you in open space. So I thought that it just made so much sense to put him with like the best goal scorer in the league. And then Kyle Connor, who, you know, is near that conversation. Yeah. I I was thinking something similar with JT Miller, like bringing a different element, but that was sort of why I put him in between the Kachucks because I thought that that line had a very strict identity, you know, like the line that's going to piss you off no matter what, whether it's retrieving pucks or smashing you into the corner or scoring goals because all three of those guys can do that. So it's just interesting. Like these lines really don't mean anything because once the puck drops almost exactly a year from now, you know, it could be a period in and, and the lines could be completely jumbled anyways so it's just it's fun to think about the combinations but case i don't think you had keller right on on your team i i was interested by that you had to brink it instead and 
He's Harper he's and I been killing guys well to bring it. I did not think of him. Getting, he's getting the Chris Kunitz um, treatment here. Oh, okay. And I think that you have to have Larkin on this team for his all-around game and scoring ability and leadership and everything. You know, he's a guy that I think has to be on this team. And if he's on this team, put Debrinkit with him. They play so well together and that scoring touch is there and he's not too far off of a Clayton Keller type player. And the reason that Keller is on the bench for me is because we've already got it. We've got Keller's abilities on this team in many of the other guys. So... I, I did give him the scratch there. It's not like a size thing, like <laughs> obviously, because I have to bring it on this team and yeah. and Jack and et cetera. But it, it just, I thought that we already checked off that box and I like the chemistry of Larkin and Debrinkit. Yeah. If I'm being honest, when I look up and down this forward group, I feel like a lot of players kind of check the same box. That's why yeah. I wanted to kind of keep it open for you know, players like Kreider and Trocek and maybe even an Alex Tuck, you know, like I said, like there's probably like almost 20 forwards who could realistically have, have a, a legit chance to make this yeah. team depending on fit. So I don't know, like, it, like I had a really tough time between Kyle Connor and Jake Gensel because they are both dynamic offensive players. They both play the left side, but you know, as soon as you start looking at the left side, it's on my roster anyway. Like, you know, are those players better than Jack Hughes? No. Are those players better than Jason Robertson? No. And so it gets tricky. And speaking of tricky, it's this is a completely blurry <laughs> there you camera go. for you guys right now. That so, looks good. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, so it gets tricky when these yeah. players are so similar, right? And uh, it's kind of one of the reasons... Other than, you know, the ones I've already mentioned that I've got Boldy on this team is I, I think he brings something different. And this guy has been, his growth has been exponential. So I can only imagine where he's going to be in 2025. And here's a stat because we can't go a podcast without saying one advanced analytic on here. That's right. Some people off. Boldy is in terms of skaters who have played more than 200 minutes. He has the 25th least expected goals against per 60 out of all players so that includes defensemen Mm. forwards everyone on the ice he is one of the hardest guys to get chances and quality chances against i know that that might it might you know be partially because he plays on the minnesota wild and they have a lot of defensive minded players so if he's playing with erickson ack i expect him to have less chances but that team's also been in the basement all season so Mm -hmm. there's another point to show like you know, it's not Boldy. He's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, I think all my players were Boldy and Debrinket were my only two players that were not on your guys' team. So it's and yeah. Keller could easily go in for Boldy, right? Yeah. And I, I sort of felt the same about Pavelski. I think he brings something different, which is interesting. But again, this is one full calendar year from yeah. this very day. So yeah. it's it's one of those things like Pavelski has aged like fine wine, but you know what does one more year do to a player, and and which players get better too? So yeah. something to consider. Well, and y- Jake Sanderson, great shout, Harp. By the way. Oh yeah, no, mm. thanks, man. Um, and it, like again, going back to how this team is going to look, how it's going to be constructed, who's the general manager 
Bill Guerin. And so you know that guys like Faber and Matt Boldy are going to get legit looks to be a part of this team. Um, I mean, I don't think that by any means Bill Guerin is biased. He's going to go with, you know, uh, the best squad. But what do we know about his Minnesota Wild? They're big. They're a heavy team. They're tough. They're hard to play against. And so, Chad, you mentioned some of the guys in there. Like, I mean, you've got the Kachucks on. uh, You've got them on this roster. And, I mean, those those are two guys who are just so hard to to play against. JT Miller as well. But, I mean, yeah, I think there is a legit chance for the Criders of the world. Alex Tuck, um, you know, uh, Vincent Trocek and, and... going back to Matt Boldy and, and guys of that nature as well, just by knowing how Bill Guerin thinks and, and the way that his uh, Minnesota wild teams have been constructed. Yeah. And I think there's something to say about flexibility too. Like you're going to want players who can play in multiple roles and who can also play multiple positions. So I took a lot of like, you know, center, slash wingers over guys who primarily just play the wing because they're more versatile and like you're going to be asked to move up and down the lineup no matter what and you're going to be asked to play different roles than you might play on a on a day-to-day basis on your team like i think about a guy like tage thompson right yeah clearly he's the scorer on the sabers i mean this year he's, he's had a bit of a down year but that's his role he's the big talented scorer. Well, if he makes this team and plays in the bottom six, they might want to use his huge frame to do other things. And I think that's a reasonable ask from a guy like that. He plays center and wing. You know, that's why I picked a guy like Tage Thompson, just the versatility. Yeah, exactly. And uh, again, like recency bias, right? I mean, if this team was being made tomorrow, Tage Thompson probably wouldn't be on this roster. But who knows what kind of season he has next year. And we'll see if it's more like the one that he had last year. And you mentioned the big frame and the ability to play center wing to shoot the puck and all of that. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what Bill Guerin does with this U.S. team. But uh, the amount of talent is, is off the charts. Final thing I wanted to say about U.S. as we kind of transition to talking about Team Sweden is... I wonder if we could see a situation for some of the more talented rosters. I'm talking about USA and and Canada. If we see a situation where there are kind of just too many cooks in the kitchen, I feel like sometimes that can happen. And then maybe that gives, you know, a, a bit of a leg up to a team like Sweden who has more defined role players up and down its lineup, but still has that top end skill on the top two lines. So that's what I wanted to say before we started talking about Sweden, because I think that's relevant. Yeah, I think so too. And that's like, I structured my team Sweden a little differently for that reason. And it felt easier, didn't it? I I don't know about you, but for me, when I was looking at it, it felt easier to peg a guy as, you know, a third line defensive player, as opposed to squeezing in an uber talented yeah. player like Putting, like Larkin on the fourth line or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. You know? Put Jack Eichel on the fourth line. So yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of our favorite partners, Sign Up Expert. If you're a sports better, whether a brand new one, casual or hardcore, listen very carefully because this ad is for you. 
Guys, line shopping for the best odds matters, and that's why any profitable sports better needs to be using multiple sports books to maximize their winnings. Thankfully, there has never been a better time to get signed up, and we are here to connect you with the best promotions industry-wide. When you use our link at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you can get access to all the top sports books in your region, along with a review of each platform and their benefits. Most importantly, all of these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through our link, again, signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one, allowing you to start line shopping with an enhanced bankroll. Guys, once again, it's simple. When you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds out there, which is key to being successful and taking home those winnings, baby. So if you want to take advantage of these incredible benefits and support our brand all at the same time, it's a win-win, please consider signing up for your next sports book through our link in the description down below. Signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. One more time, that's signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. Hey guys, Harp here from the pod. We all want two things as sports fans when it comes to buying tickets. To not be ripped off by scalpers and to have an easy way to do it. That's where SeatGeek comes in. This pod is sponsored by the absolute best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. It does this awesome thing where they score each ticket out of 10 based on its value so you know whether you're getting a good deal or not. If the tickets are green, you'd better act quick and secure those things, but if the tickets are red, maybe wait a little bit before pulling the trigger and monitor the price in the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek just makes it way too easy. Anyways, here's the best part. SeatGeek has completely hooked us up. Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Click the link in the description to download the app today. And remember, to get your discounted tickets to your favorite sporting events using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, fellas, uh, are we are we uh, ready to get into the Swedes here? Okay, yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, okay, so Team Sweden, and yeah, I, I agree. Like, uh, and and I have to give credit to uh, the Denver Post. I looked at uh, a pretty good article um, from uh, from a few days ago, just kind of uh, outlining some mock rosters, and they were pretty good. So, um, yeah, but uh, Case, we'll go back to you. Just taking a look at uh, who you've got on this. Uh, Team Sweden roster for the Four Nations face-off next year. Okay. In net, I have Allmark, Gustafsson, and Markstrom. I suspect that we might have a, a three-goalie sweep once again um, with Team Sweden here. Defense, I had Hedman with Carlson, Eric Carlson, uh, Brodine with Darlene, 
Ekholm and Rasmus Anderson. And my extra, I again had two because I thought they were allowed more, is Forsling and Liljegren. Hmm. Um, on forward, I had maybe the most, one of the most dynamic attacking lines I've ever seen on paper is Jesper Bratt, Elias Pettersson, and Willie Nylander. Um, then I had Forsberg, Zemitajad, and Kempe or Kemp. Um, and then I started thinking a little differently here and structured these last two lines as having like two strong defensive players and one strong scorer. And that was Landeskog, Erickson Eck, and Raymond. That depends on Landeskog's health, health at this mm-hmm. point. And then Backlund, Lindholm, and uh, Leo Carlson. My extra was Kelly Yarncrock. Mm. Swiss Army Knife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. And that's the type of player I kind of had in mind. I actually didn't pick Kelly Yarncrock to make this team, but definitely a consideration. Um, here's my roster. Starting in net, then I'll go D and then forwards in case it is eerily similar <laughs> to yours, which I think makes more sense because... There are, There's structure here. We talked about it. Like there are players <laughs> who played defined roles. It just makes a lot of sense. But yeah. starting in that, I've got Olmark, Markstrom, and Gustafson in that order. But an honorable mention to Samuel Erson, who's had an incredible year this Good year. One. Who could be a dark horse to make this team. Uh, Harp, you love Erson. You and your brother both <laughs> love Samuel Erson. Emerson does you, especially because of fantasy. <laughs> Yes, you guys probably come home from work every night and just talk about Samuel Erson all night. That's all you do. Uh, on the back end, I've got Hedman and Carlson. Um, also, Eric Carlson on the top pair. Darlene and Rasmus Anderson. And then I've got Hampus Lindholm, Jonas Brodeen. And then as my extra, I have Adam Larson. But honorable mentions to Oliver Ekman Larson, who's had a resurgence this yep. year. Um, Ekholm and Gustav Forsling too. Both those guys are great players. So um, you're seeing case a lot of similarities here. Going to the forward group, here's where the similarities are crazy because the top two lines are exactly the same. Yeah. And I was thinking the same thing when putting them together, like dynamic offensive scoring lines. Like, and, and it fits. All these players fit. So to repeat, Bratt, Pedersen and Nylander, and then Forsberg, Zibanejad, and Kempe as the top two lines. The bottom six is slightly different with uh, very similar personnel. My third line, I structured as sort of a young, fun scoring line. I have Leo Carlson and uh, Lucas Raymond with William Carlson in the middle. So obviously William is, is a bit older, but the two young guys on the wings. And then the fourth line I structured as a defensive shutdown line that I think you're feeling confident putting out against any other team's top line in this tournament. Backland, Erickson Eck, and Lindholm. And then my extra is Burakovsky. I did not include Landeskog because he hasn't played in like two seasons. I know he's been skating, but we just don't know when he's going to be back, if ever. So I just I, I had I to put him in there because if he is an active NHL player, he'll be on this team. He will one hundred percent. If he's an active NHL player, <clears throat> the yeah. rules do state that you need to be signed to an NHL contract to play. I don't know if it requires you to have played games that season, but regardless, okay. if you're going to be playing for this team, because you're going to want to be playing. Se- games I did the note season. that if Landeskog was not available, then William Carlson was my, my yeah. guy in. Yeah. 
So very similar. Um, yeah. and, and, a, and a couple honorable mentions to Gus Nyquist, who is quietly one of the best best Swedish scorers in the league and has been over the last like five seasons. And Ricard Raquel, another guy who can put the puck in the net. Yeah, absolutely. Um, love love those uh, those Swedish rosters and uh, and the look of them. That's for sure. And again, with with mine, I mean, it's pretty similar. And and uh, there's some some recency bias uh, involved. So, uh, Allmark and Markstrom, and then of course Samuel Erson. I I had to. Uh, he's been great <laughs> for the Philadelphia Flyers this season. So uh, definitely going with him on uh, on this roster. Um, I think like Hedman and, and Carlson, it's, uh, you know, you've got a, you've got a good yin yang kind of, uh, you know, duo there, as you guys have, uh, have mentioned, you know, the one is a defensive stalwart and then the other is just all offense, uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Hampus Lindholm, I think would be a, an excellent second pair. And then, the the third pair was uh, was tough, but I gotta go with Matthias Ekholm and Rasmus Anderson, Jonas Brodeen as the extra uh, D on uh, on this team. Then uh, in the top six, Philip Forsberg with with Pedersen and uh, and Nylander. I mean, obviously Pedersen and Nylander. Really, all three of those guys have the ability to to drive the play. Then on the second line. Talk about driving play. You've got Jesper Bratt uh, with Mika Zibanejad. I, I just I think it'd be so much fun to see those two on a line together because of the battle of the Hudson and yeah, the whole like spirit. Yeah, <laughs> the whole Devils Rangers rivalry and and all of that. Uh, Adrian Kempe as the winger on that line, and uh, you know talk about like perfect roles on this team. I mean Joel Erickson Eck as your uh, third line center. I mean, he's he's having a great year in in Minnesota and really looks like a a first line center now. But uh, Erickson X centering that third line with uh, Lucas Raymond and Elias Lindholm, who you could put on the wing, uh, who has a right shot, of course. And then on that fourth line, you've got Leo Carlson again, a guy who I think is going to be so good next season. He's going to be better and still has some growing to do. By the way. That is a uh, a young, talented kid with a big frame who's just going to continue to get better and better. So Carlson with uh, with Michael Backlund and Lucas Raymond, and uh, I uh, I like that uh, Cali Yarncroke pick as a uh, as an extra. So I will go with him as well. I like that Swiss Army knife. He can score. He can kill penalties. Plays a good two way game and uh, can play all three positions really. So yeah. uh, a Swiss Army knife, as you mentioned, uh, their case. Swedish Army knife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just thought true. I just felt that he was like he was near a top twelve for me, and I figured you know if one guy goes down or you need to swap someone out. He could just go anywhere and he can play any one of those lines and it would just work out because he is a chameleon on the ice. Um, I think the one place that I might have stood out here and I I don't know, I could be wrong here, but I didn't even have Hampus Lindholm in my top eight defensemen. And true. Maybe it's because he's just so sheltered in Boston in my mind. Like he he's just like not a guy I think about very often. I did he did cross my mind when I was making this list, but I just thought that I've really liked what I've seen from Forsling. Um 
more than ever right now. And Liljegren just brings this like this kind of I don't know. I don't want to say it because he's a leaf, but like <laughs> grittier, you know, presence in, in the corner, and he's kind of it's a different look than the other Swedish defensemen here. Whereas I think Lindholm kind of blends in with a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, at least you picked Lilligren to make the team and not Rasmus Sandin, because that's another former leaf that, you know, could potentially be in the running. Now, I don't know if he'll be close by then. I mean, he plays a ton of minutes, but um, I, as a leaf fan, I think I have to push back a little bit though on the Lilligren pick. I don't think you can convince me that, He's better than any of the guys in my top seven, including Lindholm, even though Lindholm well, he was is my eighth defenseman. So, oh, OK, sorry. I thought he was your seven. No. I, OK. I mean, that makes it a little better. But yeah, Forsling's a good pick. Ackholm's a good pick. Harp, I know you like him. Both those guys were included. I didn't pick a guy like uh, OEL, and I just included him as well in my honorable mentions because although he's had such a great season and has really found his groove again, he kind of brings the same thing as like an Eric Carlson, and you don't need to. So I had to, I just, I looked this one up for fun. It just came to me. This player who I think is, he's kind of a, you know, a Swedish army knife, quote unquote, as as we're calling it here on the pod, but uh, he's having a great year. He's a former devil. Fabian Zetterland could maybe have an outside chance at making this team. Case, you with me or what? I I thought about him. <laughs> I, I did think about him because he's scoring goals on the worst team, in the second worst team in the league. 15 goals. Right now, he plays just a different style. He's, he does, you wouldn't think he was Swedish if you didn't see his last name or look at his face, I guess. <laughs> but he just plays a different game than all of these guys. It's just hard, like hard nose, grind, power forward type hockey. I just don't really think of Sweden as as that type of player. So I, I did think about him and he's only getting better, uh, but he didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about another young Swede on the same team? William Eklund, maybe he's so much better next season that he cracks it. Or uh, Fabian Lysel from Boston. You know, like there, there are a lot of young players who could potentially crack this roster if they have good seasons next year. But it's just so hard to say, right? Because every player develops differently and at a different pace. So, like after the World <coughs> Juniors, you, you'd think Lecker Amaki as well. But like, yeah, you just can't. He's not even played in the NHL yet. Yeah, it's a different... And and you know what? Like this tournament, because we haven't had best on best, like like, uh, at all (laughs) in the last however many years, it still feels like it's so far away, but it's only one year away. Like it's, like I said, like it's it's February 15th to 20th is where I think it's slotted in 2025. That's one year from now. And... You know, so I think that's why we have this tendency to like think of these younger players because, oh, what, you know, what will this team look like in the future? Well, it is only one year away. So maybe, maybe it's just the best players now, you know, who make this team. I just, when I was thinking about this team, there's like these guys that I was certain that are on the team. Then there's this list of young players that could be there, maybe. And then there's this blob of the exact same player that I came across. And I'm like, does any one of these? (laughs) And I'll give you the blob here. It's tell me that any of these guys are generally different. And it's Marcus Johansson, (laughs) uh, Silverberg, Arvidsson, 
Jesper Fast. And there's one more, but I'm not stumbling across them here. I just like looked at those guys. I'm like, they all, I'd, I'd confuse those guys. I think of that group, I like Arvidsson the best. I considered him to play like a fourth line role because I think he's a little more like closer to the Kelly Yarncroke type player where you can plug him into the lineup kind of wherever he has that offensive upside, but is also, I mean, and like, I don't have his underlying numbers in front of me, but I think he's better defensively than some of those other guys. But yeah, I mean, it's true. Like a lot of these players play similarly, but I think when you go up and down the forward group and it feels like we consistently like disagree on the forward group, maybe because there's more players to, to disagree about, but um, it seems like there is more balance on this team compared to the U.S. Oh, yeah. where, you know, I, I feel like I had that problem more case where I'm looking at a group of players who are who all do the same thing. I feel like I had that problem more talking about the U.S. than Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. I just all those guys I said didn't even make the team. I just. Yeah. yeah. They're all right there. <clears throat> They're so like I wouldn't be surprised if they took Marcus Johansson because of his experience. Mm-hmm. You know, by then he's played 900 and some games like maybe maybe they take him and he's played international. Why not? I just I was looking at all of them. And I'm like, there's this like tier of the same player. Mm-hmm. And I did come across one more fun stat is I just don't think you could ever guess this is uh of all the active speeds, who has the best plus minus in their entire career? Or a uh, forward, sorry. Of all the active Swedes who, who are forwards, best plus minus. Best plus minus of, of all of them. Huh. I'm trying I'm thinking like guys who have played a lot of games on good teams. So like I'm I know Nylander isn't it. Because his plus minus isn't always great. Um, I was thinking Pedersen, but he's played on Vancouver, who pretty much <laughs> sucked compared to this year. Better plus minus er, than Nylander, er, though. Yeah. Um, like Forsberg's played on Nashville, although the, Nashville was good for a long time, and Couldn't he was need there. An answer in five seconds. <laughs> uh, Kempe, uh, I'll go Forsberg. I'll go Backlund. William Carlson. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just never would have thought that because of his like his late start to his career and everything. But yeah. I guess when you're playing on Vegas for the good chunk of it. True. It's a plus that is true. Do you have the list in front of you right now? I do. Or yeah. Can you give me the top five? Uh, forwards or all? Forwards. Top five is William Carlson, Nicholas Backstrom, Michael Backlund, Kelly oh. Yarncrock, and Joel Erickson Eck. Wow. So Backlund. Patterson was six if you want to put him in there because Backstrom's not really playing hockey. Backlund was yeah. a good guess then. All right. Yep. Second one. Perfect. I mean, second one is like Carlson was 111 and Backlund was 75. That's that's kind of shocking. Damn. Yeah. That is that's an interesting <laughs> stat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I just I mean, the, the stat that everyone deems unimportant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unimportant. Except at the extremes, yeah. I feel. Yeah, when you've played 658 games, you're a plus 111. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like 
plus minus doesn't matter until you're, you know, minus a hundred every year for your career. <laughs> and then it's like, well, maybe something's not going right. Well, you want to shame the bottom five? Oh, what, Swedes? <laughs> yeah, if you have it, let's hear it. Why Marcus not? Johansson at minus 63. <laughs> Lucas Raymond at minus 63. 211 games played, minus 63. Victor Olofsson, minus 59. Oscar Lindblom at minus 38. And William Eklund at minus 34. Tough start to the career. A lot of those make sense. That is tough. Olofsson, that makes a ton of sense. That guy's terrible five on five. Yeah. Yeah, on bad teams. Did we, one more guy I just thought of, and we may have mentioned him, so forgive me if we have, Ricard Raquel. Did we mention him at all? He was an honorable mention from me. My bad. Never mind. But a a guy who has played with some pretty damn good players and might fit better than someone else, right? Like fit really matters. So, and it matters who impresses at camp too. Like, I don't know how long these camps are going to be. It might just be a week or they might just be picked. Like, I have no idea how that's going to work, but maybe Raquel goes out there and impresses, right? But there's like, I always... I always think to Chris Kunitz and start thinking about all these players and go down this rabbit hole of like, oh, Niels Hogland has played, Hoglander has played pretty well yes. on Vancouver lately. Mm-hmm. Does he get the nod because there's, you know, Pedersen on this Another team? Another intriguing one. Absolutely. But you get stuck down that list and that can go wrong pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's a rabbit hole just like you described it because like, that, that was an anomaly with Chris Kunitz. Like, there's a reason we still talk about it today. Because so strange. <laughs> that doesn't happen. But Sid was like, hey, this guy gets me the puck. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, yeah. You know, in terms, of, think in terms of extra D, he's a good defenseman back playing now. Does Oliver Shillington get a look as an extra defenseman for this team? Maybe. Maybe I I thought about that. Or here here's another sorry Chad, here's another interesting one for you guys. Playing like almost 30 minutes a night in the American Hockey League if he can end up uh in a different NHL situation next year and look really good and continue to develop. What about a guy like Broberg for the back end? No. No. Zero chance. Okay. I <laughs> no, I think now we're talking Chad about Broberg. <laughs> It's we're talking about Broberg. I think the episode's over, guys. I, I think okay. we've covered every player who could potentially make this team. Broberg will not. I'm sorry to Edmonton fans, but he will not. He may get invited to camp. What about uh, Edmondson? No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Elmer Soderblom. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm if in, you're looking for size. <laughs> Six foot eight yeah. player with magical hands. If you need Tage Thompson, but Swedish, sure. <laughs> oh, wow. Got, so he's the Swedish Mario Lemieux. Is that what you're calling him? Oh, oh, there you geez. go. That's what Harper would call him. <laughs> I will say, and I was listening to uh, one of our preseason predictions the other day, um, like to prepare for our midseason episodes. And I was talking about how I was watching Elmer Soderblom in Traverse City in the prospect game. And man, he looked really good and I like I'm surprised that he's not you know something because he was it looked he looked like a man uh, uh, amongst boys like he really did but anyway yeah that's that's my take I like the player but he's not going to make the no. team no I think we're done 
<laughs> yes, we're done. Uh, all right, boys. Uh, there we go. That's episode 200. Again, uh, let's give ourselves a pat on the back. It's been a ride so far. Uh, thank you to uh, our great friends of the uh, of the podcast uh, that you heard at the beginning of the episode for the nice congratulatory messages. And thank you to all of you for the support so far. Looking forward to the next 200 episodes. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week uh, to talk about the other two teams uh, for next year's Four Nations Face-Off, Canada and Finland. Have a great week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.